In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. On this, the Vespers of the Holy Feast of the Transfiguration, uh, we're coming together to celebrate this feast, and it's great that it happens on to be on a Sunday this year. Usually it's during the middle of the week, and nobody really has the time to celebrate this feast. We have work or other obligations during the week, so the feasts that come during the week are often neglected. This feast, although it's one of the minor feasts in the Coptic Orthodox Church, it's not minor in its importance. Uh, it's a, a very important, significant feast that we need to take seriously. And what I'm going to do is talk about it in two phases, one phase today and one phase tomorrow. Uh, the phase today will talk about the journey up Mount Tabor, and the phase tomorrow will talk about the vision of the glory of God. The vision of the glory of God. So when we look at this and we look at what is the meaning of this struggle, what is the goal of this struggle? The goal of it is what we'll talk about tomorrow, which is to see God. And many people desired to see God. If you were to open up your Bibles to Psalm 42 in Psalm 42 it's one of the famous Psalms as the deer pants for the water so my so pants my soul for you O God my soul thirsts for God for the living God when shall I come and appear before God or when shall I come and appear before His face? The face of God and the glory of God are interchangeable. We can speak about the glory of God and the face of God in the same way. But he says, As the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul for you. My soul thirsts for you. Any time in the Old Testament that there is a thirsting for God, it is the deep desire for salvation. The deep desire for us to be saved by God or to have God. Now this desire, it is not enough for us just to desire this. We have to struggle. And sometimes we can struggle in the wrong way. There came a point in time when Moses wanted to see the glory of God in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 33 and in Exodus chapter 33 he asks to see God and his glory I'm just going to grab my Bible he asks to see God and his glory and in chapter 33 God speaks to him he says in chapter 33, verse 17, The Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, I beg you, I beg you, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, 
and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And then he said, and then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand upon the rock. And while you, my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not, shall not be seen. And we've talked about seeing the face of God and the glory of God in our Bible study on Tuesday nights. It's a debate what does that exactly mean, but it's interesting where this chapter comes. In chapter 32, we just read from 33, chapter 32 was the golden calf. You can say in a way that the people of Israel wanted to see, not to see God, but to possess God, to own God, to have a God that they could call, that's our God, bring Him here, bring Him there. It's different. It's different from what, what Moses was seeking after. He, he wasn't seeking after possession of God, but he was seeking after uh, knowledge of God, a vision of God, which is different. This goes back to the burning bush, Exodus chapter 3. We're in 33, after they passed through the, wilderness, through the, uh, the Red Sea, and they're now in the desert. This is now, but going back to 3, with the burning bush, Moses is speaking to God and he says, what's your name? Right? It's different. What's your name? Because I want to be able to call upon the name of God, to control the name of God. But God says to him, more importantly than to have the name of God, is to be in a relationship with God, to know God. So he says, I am who I am. I am the I am, which becomes the name of God as Yahweh or Jehovah. So, he's not the only one that wanted to see God. Elijah also wanted to see God. I mean, right, we're coming to the story of the transfiguration, but it has, in the Old Testament, has a little bit of a history. Uh, if you go to, um, I think it's uh, Second Kings, First Kings, let's see. First Kings, first, sorry, First Kings, nineteen. Well, before we get to nineteen, chapter eighteen is the great, uh, the great fight between Elijah and the, the priests of of Baal, and Jezebel, the wife of Ahab, who has the priests in her hand, and he challenges them, and he says, "We'll see once and for all which God is the strongest God." You are going to beg your God to take your sacrifice and I'm going to pray to my God. And that's a, it's a very funny story about how the, the priests of Baal are uh, cutting themselves and screaming and begging God to, uh, to uh, their God, Baal, to uh, accept their sacrifice and to burn their sacrifice and it doesn't happen. But Elijah soaks his sacrifice and builds a moat around it and soaks it with water and that sacrifice was 
was received by God, God sent down fire and consumed it, and then all the priests of Baal were destroyed. It was a great victory, but Elijah was depressed, and he goes on a pilgrimage to Mount Carmel, and on Mount Carmel, Mount Carmel was supposed to be the place where Moses saw God in the burning bush. Right? Names change. Uh, but the idea, or, or the names are, there's a, I can give you more of a, a, a history of these names. But anyway, he flees from Jezebel, who's going to kill him. Sorry, he doesn't flee to Mount Carmel, but flees to Mount Horeb. That's the place. And so he flees, and he's looking for God, and he says, everyone, uh, nobody worships you anymore. I am the last one. He says, this is, this is what he says to God. He says, I am the last one. And God says to him, um, stay here, wait for me. I'm giving you, kind of paraphrasing this. And then that's when God sends a strong wind, but his voice wasn't in the strong wind. Sends an earthquake, but his voice wasn't in the earthquake. Sends a fire, but his voice wasn't in the fire. And then came the voice of God in a sheer silence it's a hard word to dis, uh, to translate it says a still small voice in the English but it's this kind of shimmering silence the voice of God Moses wanted to see God God shows him his glory but, but covers him Elijah wants to see God and before this he fasts for 40 days being fed by the angels and then he hears the voice of God, but they don't completely see God until the transfiguration. Until the transfiguration, when Jesus reveals His glory, when God reveals His glory. Now this vision requires a struggle on our part. What do we ask God for? What is it that we always come to God for? We have a bunch of a to-do list that we want God to finish. We have a bunch of issues that are problematic for us. And this becomes the whole extent of our relationship with God. But when you focus on what the saints wanted, they wanted to see the glory of God, which was another way to be in the presence of the glory of God, to feel united with the glory of God, to be close to God. Right? Even in their depression or in their difficulties, they're seeking some deeper knowledge and understanding of God, not simply that He takes care of the day-to-day. And this is what Jesus Christ said. Don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear, but seek first what? The kingdom of God. Which can also be, we can have another discussion of how the kingdom of God relates to the glory of God. And how in our church, the church is supposed to be the group of people that are both seeking the glory of God and the church is shining with the glory of God. If Look, if we came here and we <coughs> promised people, whatever you ask, God's going to give you. If we promise people that your, your day-to-day problems are going to be taken care of, the people that are sick are going to be healed. The people that have financial problems are going to be uh, taken care of, right? And so on and so forth. If we had these answers, right, people would come 
from, from all over the world for these miracles. That's what they want. And if you've ever read that Dostoevsky, uh, the brothers Karmazov, they're talking about the great, the great inquisitor. He talked about the temptations when Christ was tempted. He was tempted, he said, Satan said, you know, the way Dostoevsky was positioning it, he said, you know what, when God, or when Jesus was tempted by the devil to change the stones into bread, it was a temptation to give the people food. Give them something to eat. They, you give them something to eat, they'll follow you. You give them food, that's it. You have them, you'll have them eating out of the palm of your hand, so to speak. Right? Take care of their needs, and they'll, and they'll come to you. Right? But this is not the church that we belong to. And especially the Coptic Orthodox Church, the Church of the Martyrs, the Church of those who are persecuted, this is not why we come to church. We come to church to see and to seek after the glory of God and to be united with that glory. That spiritual struggle that we have to go through, that spiritual struggle that we have to go through is a spiritual struggle of fasting, of prayer. It's a spiritual struggle of prostrations. It's a spiritual struggle of confession. It's a spiritual struggle of trying to live as the saints lived. It's not easy. And that is the idea of us walking up Mount Tabor. You know, to get up to Mount Tabor, they said it was a, a two-day journey. It wasn't a, you know, just kind of hike that you could do in a couple of hours. It was a two-day journey. And they go up two, two, after two days, and then they see the glory of God. And it's very interesting why Peter said, let's build some tabernacles here. Let's build some tents. There's, a, there's another history to the Old Testament that's or out of the whole testament it's important for that but i think for us it's important for us to understand the spiritual struggle that comes in order for us to see god now when we think about it when we think about financial problems we think about physical problems health problems or when we think about any other issue that comes in our life we think about this as something that is essentially bad but all of those become opportunities for us to see God, for us to envision God, for us to be close to God. You know, we don't, we don't ask for these things because sometimes these become the teachers that bring us closer to God. And let me tell you about the mentality of the, old, of, of the saints of our church. The saints of our church were always seeking after that vision of God more than the vision of saints. What do I mean by that? There's a couple of stories that are a couple of stories in the Old Testament that try to that not in the Old Testament, sorry, in the sayings of the Desert Fathers that identify this. One time it was said that uh, an angel appeared to a monk and the monk closed his eyes and said, this is funny, said, you got the wrong cell. You want to go to that monk over there. I'm not the one you want. Right? So imagine, what is, the, what is our impression these days? If someone says an angel of, uh, appears to them, they start to say, oh, look at me. I'm as worthy of an angel appearing to me as St. Mary and Archangel Gabriel. Right? Who of us, if an angel were to appear to us, would say, no, 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 not me. You got the wrong person, right? A little bit of comedy there, but it's also an attitude. 
Another one, another story from the Desert Fathers. The angel appeared and the monk said, I don't want to see the glory of God here on earth. I want to see it in the kingdom of heaven. I don't want, I mean, I know it goes a little bit counter to what I'm saying, but understand the point. We're not looking after visions or looking for visions of the saints here on earth. We're looking to be with the saints. We're looking to become saints. And we're looking to see God in His glory. That's where we're going. And we want nothing to take us away from that. Back to our lives and our struggle and our spiritual struggle, we have to understand that our life is a climb. It's a constant spiritual struggle. But at the same time, we have to understand that like St. Paul said, he said in chapter 8 of Romans, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory with, which shall be revealed in us. Not to us. In us. If I'm carrying the sufferings of Christ, the glory of God will also be in us. And not in you, singular, in us as a church, as a community. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Another chapter from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So the first part that I'm discussing with you today is the, the, is the struggle to see the vision of God, is the struggle to see the glory of God. And we have to desire that. We have to want that. We have to be, that has to be an essential part of our spiritual life. Otherwise, we're lost. We are driving to a destination that we have no GPS, we have no map, we have no idea of where we're going. Right? That's, that's what I fear. And that's why this Feast of the Transfiguration is, is essential for us to just slow down and let's wrap our, our minds around all the nuances of this Feast. The glory of God, yes, but also that struggle to see the glory of God. He doesn't show it to all of His disciples. He doesn't show it to the 5,000 or those that were following Him day, on the day-to-day. -day. He showed it to three Maybe it's because these three are the only ones that could handle it. Maybe there were other reasons. But these were his inner circle. Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. These, this inner circle. We are called to be ones to receive that vision. We're not of the twelve or of the five thousand that did not see this. We are now part of those who are experiencing that glory. But we have to make ourselves right in order for that to happen. And to make ourselves right, in order to, to properly prepare ourselves, is the day-to-day -day struggle. That's when we get into the, you know, don't lie, don't steal, don't whatever, don't whatever. 
you know, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. The purity of heart that we desire is a singleness of heart. It's not about sexual sins, not sexual sins. It's not about uh, other things that might be considered impurities. It's about a focus a, in the English myopic, one, one focus, one vision, that idea of just focusing on God. This is the purity of heart. I'm not distracted by anything else that goes on in my life. Now this is, I, I mean, we have to repeat this every year, if not every week, to remind ourselves, this is our focus. This is where we're going. This is why I go to church. This is why I go to confession. This is why I take communion. It's so that I can not only see the glory of God, but become united with the glory of God and have the glory of God shine through me, in me, with us, in us, through us, all of that, so that we can become the image of Christ, who is the image of the Father, or in other language, we can become icons of Christ, who is the icon of the Father. Right? This is the exact language that St. Paul uses in Corinthians that we're going to read tomorrow. So tomorrow, for, uh, sorry, not Corinthians, Colossians, chapter 1. So today, to prepare ourselves for tomorrow, read the readings. Read the Pauline epistle, read the Catholic epistle, the, prox the, the proxies. Read all of them, prepare yourselves, and of course the gospel, preparing yourself uh, for tomorrow's readings. May God give us the strength and the, and the, the strength and the vision and the strength and the direction that we not lose our way but we spiritually struggle to see this image of God in His glory not only when He comes but also in this life too that we are able to catch glimpses of it like Moses was able to catch a glimpse of it and like some of the saints were given this, this, uh, this blessing of catching glimpses of it May we also catch glimpses of it in our lives so that we can know what we're, where we're going and the direction and what we're yearning for. To God be the glory now and ever in the age of all ages. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>